COVID-19 has affected all of our lives, so we take a step aside to learn a little bit about germs and some surprising, not-so-fun facts about what's living on your phone. Then Cliff takes us back to the lighter side with a review of Stadia, Google's game-changing game player. It's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Welcome to the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and as you listen to this, I am lazing away deep in the woods of Michigan in isolation. And depending on what time you listen to this, I'm probably a little tipsy. I'll talk more about vacation next week, but this week we sit down with Mark Beeston from Vioguard. Vioguard is using UVC rays to degrossify your phone and keys and everything else with its Cubby Plus. Then Cliff finally caved under a mountain of Please Try Stadia offers that were piling on top of him, so we've got his review of Google's streaming game service to wrap things up. But first, we have to get to the news of the week. Seven Hong Kong-based VPN services were found to be logging users' activities despite claims that they were, you know, not logging user activity. Whoops. Oh, but we're not done. Those same VPN services stored those logs on a public-facing server, 1.2 terabytes of them. And data included email address, clear text passwords, and more. So yeah, kind of a problem. These seven VPNs were all made and resold under a white-label VPN service, which I honestly didn't know was a thing, but I guess I probably could have figured it was a thing. One of those services, UFO VPN, actually blamed COVID-19 for the problems, saying that personnel changes forced by COVID-19 caused them to miss bugs that were in server firewall rules, but that's been fixed now. Swell. More concerning overall is that these were supposed to be no-log VPNs in the first place. There shouldn't have been any logs to begin with, let alone being exposed on a public server. That's shady AF and generally gross. Be careful when you're shopping for VPNs out there, folks. As if 2020 couldn't get worse, a new hack was discovered by researchers at a subsidiary of Tencent that is definitely not pronounced Xuanwu Labs. This hack makes power bricks capable of overheating phones, melting internal components, and potentially setting the phone on fire. Holy Note 7, Batman. So the power brick that your phone uses has firmware. True story, your phone's power brick has more computing power than the original Apollo missions. It turns out flooding power into your phone as fast as possible is a delicate process. Who'd have thunk it? Anyway, that software could be manipulated and cause the power brick to send too much power to the phone, and suddenly you've got a Kentucky Fried iPhone. Now, it turns out this isn't all that terrible. Like so many vulnerabilities, this is only capable of happening when a hacker has physical access to the power brick and a customized rig for uploading the software. So the odds of this happening to you are decidedly not great. I wouldn't worry about throwing away all your phone chargers. It's more of a hmm than a ah! So it's all good. It's kind of scary what smart people are capable of, but overall, it's not terrible. The LG Velvet is here, and by here, I mean in our labs for review and in the world at large as well. 
Starting on Wednesday, the Velvet 5G dropped at AT&T and will follow on T-Mobile and Verizon later in the year. Cliff has our review unit, and if I'm honest, I'm a little jealous, but it's all good. The LG Velvet is LG's mid-range phone with Snapdragon 765G processor, triple camera array with a 48-megapixel main sensor, 6 gigabytes of RAM, 128 gigabytes of storage, 4,300 milliamp-hour battery, and IP68 water and dust resistance. 599 seems a little on the heavy side for these specifications, but it's mostly about the experience, and Cliff will be telling you all about that next week. Personally, I'm glad that LG is continuing the dual screen thing, even though it's not bundled in the box. While that does make me sad, the dual screen case is kind of a no-brainer these days. Yes, it adds bulk. But it also adds a ton of functionality. Personally, my two biggest use cases are researching links and copying and pasting into a Google Doc, and the dual screen remote for gaming in Call of Duty, which is great once you get used to it. Is it worth an extra Benjamin or two? Kind of depends on your use case, but personally, I think it is. And taking the wind right out of LG's sails is the OnePlus Nord, and wow, this is a lot of phone for under $400. Amazingly, the OnePlus Nord one-ups the LG Velvet in almost every way. They have the same Snapdragon 765G processor, and the outside of India variant ships with 8GB of RAM and 128GB of storage. There's a slightly smaller battery at just over 4100mAh, but this phone starts at €399. And it's not coming to the U.S. just yet. The Android Central article seemed to suggest that it will come to the U.S., likely with a carrier, likely later in the year. I wonder if this means anything for the T-series of OnePlus phones. It'd be interesting to see if OnePlus skips the T-series and just goes with number in the spring, nord in the fall. Moreover, it's nice to see OnePlus... OnePlus ended up again by releasing a not-quite-flagship phone for $400. OnePlus has been creeping up the price charts for years now, and this seems like more of a return to its roots. This podcast will have to wait for the U.S. variant in order to review it, and that's assuming we have the budget. Stay tuned, and we'll let you know when reviews start to drop. And let's just keep this Snapdragon 765 train a-rolling because we have another phone dropping this week, and boy, did I pick the wrong week to go on vacation. This time, we're looking at the Motorola Edge. You'll recall that the Moto Edge Plus shipped back in spring, and by the way, Motorola, still waiting for that review device. Anyway... This is the little brother to the Moto Edge Plus, the Moto Edge. As you would expect from a non-plus phone, this one steps it down just a little bit with the aforementioned Snapdragon 765 processor, a 64-megapixel main camera sensor, ultra-wide and zoom lens built in there as well. It also has shoulder buttons from the Edge Plus for gaming, which I really want to try out, and it also comes packed with a 4,500 milliamp hour battery and 256 gigabytes of storage, which is no joke. The phone is available for pre-order for $200 off its launch price at $499, which math tells us will be $699 when the sale is over, but really, it's Motorola, so it's really only a matter of time before it drops back down to $499 forever. The phone ships on July 31st. This is a very compelling offering from Motorola, arguably more compelling than the Edge Plus. With the Edge Plus, you have a lot of competition in the high end from Samsung and Apple and OnePlus and more. But in the comfortable $500 range, you start to see compromises, and just looking at this spec sheet, there aren't many compromises here. Motorola, call me. 
And this turned out to be a very, very phone-centric week because on top of all that, here comes the Samsung Galaxy Flip 5G with Snapdragon 865 Plus processor. And what does Qualcomm require with a Snapdragon 865? Survey says... A 5G modem! So Android Central points out that this is the first clamshell phone to sport 5G, beating out the rest of the strong competition in this category. And by strong competition, I mean the one other phone. The Samsung Galaxy Flip 5G is available for $1449, which, yes, is still really expensive, but you're no longer looking at the Samsung Galaxy S10e on the spec sheet. This is a foldable phone, putting on its big boy pants and still keeping the price down. <laughs> I mean, down, but you know what I mean. And honestly, this looks like it could signal another progressive step for foldables because they're still expensive, but maybe they're not outrageously expensive anymore? Before, you either had to pony up $2,000 or get stuck with last year's specs on a phone that still costs more than $1,000. One of those barriers seems to be down now, which is really cool. Will foldables ever hit the sub $1,000 mark? Honestly, probably not, though who knows what TCL might eventually do, but putting a foldable side-by-side -side with a slab at $1,000 makes the foldable start to look a lot more tempting. We're not there yet, but maybe we're not too far off. And I'm contractually obligated to tell you that the Asus ROG Phone 3 reviews have started to drop, and by all reports, it's pretty amazing. Actually, I'm not contractually obligated to tell you that, but I am who I am, so it makes it into the news. However, since this is, what, the sixth phone I've talked about this week, I'm just going to link to the Android Authority review in the show notes, and you can give it a look. I'm genuinely excited about this phone. But man, it's just phone after phone after phone after phone this week, and it just gets a little much, you know? High point, the camera is pretty great, though. David Amell compares it to the OnePlus 8 Pro, and I'm like, really? The OnePlus? Samsung or LG or GTFO, bro. Low point is that it's a thick gaming phone with no headphone jack. Seriously. And did you know that there's stuff in the world that's not about phones? I just learned that! It's amazing! Great news, Google Nest smart screen owners, which I realize is a fairly small group of listeners, but now you can watch Netflix! Now, this only works on Google and Nest-branded smart screens. My Lenovo smart screen won't cut the mustard. Damn it. But this is still exciting news, as these are the first smart screens to support Netflix, which, honestly, smart screens without Netflix never really made any sense to me. And as The Verge puts it, quote, Now Netflix offers yet another advantage over Amazon's Echo Show and Facebook Portal. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I kind of forgot the Facebook portal existed, and by the way, so did Facebook. Users can use the command OKG, OK play Stranger Things, and is it weird that Stranger Things is still the go-to for explaining to people that you can tell Google to play Netflix? Anyway, you can also say open Netflix and then use the touchscreen to scroll through offerings. Also, on the Nest Hub Max, this is really cool by the way, you can look at the screen and hold up a hand like Neo in the Matrix to pause or resume playback, which is just awesome and goes to show why every smart screen should have a front-facing camera. It may sound weird, but this is actually something that makes me want to get a Nest Hub Max, and this is a win for Nest Hub users overall. The New York Times continues its quest to own all journalism everywhere by buying up the production company behind the podcast that announced to the world that podcasts exist, Serial. 
Serial hasn't released a new season of the podcast since November of 2018, so it's been a while, but Serial is still very much a thing. The New York Times is interested in getting to all forms of journalism and storytelling, which is really great, and the thought here is that Sarah Koenig, Ira Glass, and Julie Snyder are really frickin' rich now. Actually, that's not theory. That's fact. The theory is that the New York Times will be able to fully leverage the serial brand by putting out more stories. You mean like more than one every 18 months? Yes, more than one every 18 months. But there's also the possibility of putting out more serial-like podcasts, which is a win, people. Now, this podcast, benefit of a doubt, is not like Serial, and I know that, but I really love that kind of storytelling, and speaking of which, quick plug here, I just finished a podcast called Floodlines by The Atlantic, and the sound design in that podcast is a freaking amazing. I'd argue better than Serial, so if you're a sound nerd, go check out that podcast. And congrats to Serial, and hey, New York Times, call me, DMs are open. And finally, speaking of wins, Walmart announced this week that it would be closing all of its stores for Thanksgiving this year, which is kind of weird. In the past, Walmart has launched early Black Friday deals on Thanksgiving to try to coax more dollars out of the American public. According to a statement released by the company, quote, We know that this has been a trying year. Yeah, we'll call it trying. And our associates have really stepped up. We hope that they will enjoy a special Thanksgiving day at home with their loved ones, and we are certainly thankful to our people for all their efforts. And this is very decent of Walmart, and here's hoping that the employees were not counting on overtime that day. Honestly, though, this is just a decent move by the retailer while acknowledging that this year has been something of a dumpster fire. It will be nice for employees to spend time with their families, or at least enjoy not having to watch people punch each other in the face over TVs. Instead, they'll watch their uncles punch each other in the face over politics. This week, I sat down with Mark Beeston from BioGuard. BioGuard is a company that is dedicated to eliminating as many bugs as it can that will make you sick. Now, BioGuard is primarily a B2B company. You're probably not going to go order a Cubby Plus for yourself. But in case you want to, there's a link in the show notes. But Mark had some interesting things to say about the surface of your phone. And I should warn you, some of this you can't unhear. Our world has been dramatically changed this year by COVID-19, which is terrible. But if there is one positive benefit that we can all take from hashtag pandemic life, it's learning more about humans, diseases, and how to keep yourself safe. COVID-19 is a worst case scenario, but I genuinely hope that humanity takes this opportunity to learn how to better protect ourselves from all sorts of bacteria and bugs that are just waiting to make your life miserable. In short, Getting sick really sucks. So when I had the opportunity to sit down with BioGuard, a company dedicated to helping you not get sick by touching the thing that every one of my listeners touches hundreds of times per day, and I'm talking about your cell phone, get your mind out of the gutter, I jumped at the opportunity. So let's all jump in together. Mark Beeston has been working with various medical devices over the years, building relationships with hospitals, and generally trying to keep people feeling better for over 20 years. And unless my research is way off, he was a Chicago boy for quite some time. Currently, he is Vice President of Sales and Marketing for BioGuard, and he's here to chat about germs. Mark Beeston, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Adam. Glad to be here. Excellent. So now, before we get all really grossed out by how absolutely disgusting humans are, I wonder if you could tell us about BioGuard and how it can help people's phones stay disinfected. 
Yeah, no, that that's great. And I I I love talking about this subject. And and BioGuard's been around for a few years. We we actually were developed, or the technology was developed uh, early on at Microsoft. And the engineers at Microsoft developed some really cool technology. And when when it was done, it was determined, hey, you know. Let's let's look at this. Let's see what it can do. And the uh, engineers who actually developed the technology, when when they retired from Microsoft, bought the technology and started BioGuard. Uh, we we we've been around. We've been honing in and developing our technology and looking really at where the market can take us. And we we've started really early on with focusing on healthcare, and that's re- really where we took off uh, with. And this was, you know, this was pre-COVID, right? And and right. making a, a big indent and and um, sort of our impact in that healthcare space. And looking at at you know this technology using using uh, UVC is really impactful, especially on all those items you touch with your hands all the time. Um, phones being one of the biggest ones you mentioned early on that. You know, phones are touched hundreds of times a day, and, and there's studies that show phones are touched more than 2,200 times a day, and even more, even more by teenagers, believe it or not. Which, uh, you know, that's that's not hard to believe. But knowing that, you know, you 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 touch your phone. We know phones are filthy. We know they're dirty, and they're really hard to disinfect because none of us really want to douse our phone in chemicals and and douse them in wet wet solutions to try to disinfect them so we we avoid that right so i think sometimes we we put items like our phones uh, our car keys our wallets our glasses all of that kind of stuff we put it out of our mind that maybe it's not really that dirty and we really focus on just washing our hands right but in reality when when you when you grab you wash your hands and then you pick up your phone you're really just transferring those bugs back to your hands Sure. Back to your face. Uh, You're transferring to your kids. You're transferring to other other areas that people touch. And and the studies have shown that even COVID can last up to 96 hours on a surface. So Mm -hmm. that's an issue. Right. And and that's really at BioGuard what we're really trying to tackle and trying to make an impact and and really be a web of protection in a space like healthcare or your home or your office or mm-hmm. your your salon or your phone store or your hotel lobby right there's just a myriad of places that need this type of protection uh, especially in our pandemic so let me ask you this, um, especially since you mentioned phones and, you know, after you're done washing your hands, you grab your phone and you're just got all those bugs all over again. How often does a phone need to be disinfected in order for it to be really effective? It seems to me like the second you take a phone out of a Cubby Plus, it's going to start accumulating germs again. So is there any research that shows like how often it's a good idea to disinfect your phone in order to keep it reasonably safe? Well, I- and, and that's a great question, right? Because we really want to be as safe as we we can. We want to be, we want to keep ourselves safe. We want to keep those around us safe. And so, mm-hmm. when we think about 
what the CDC and the WHO, what they're telling us, right? They're, they're telling us basically wash your hands often and, and keep your hands clean because the second you're done washing your hands, you're going to start picking up stuff as well. So it's, it's right. often, right? And, and the beautiful thing about, beautiful thing about the BioGuard technology is that it's quick. You're, you're under 60 seconds and you've killed basically all the microorganisms and pathogens that are swarming around your device. So okay. the time it takes you really to wash your hands, you could disinfect your phone. So you could do it as often as you wash your hands and kind of make that a companion, if you will. You know, you wash oh, your I hands, see. you wash your phone. You, it, it, you look at your phone as sort of an extension of your hands, if you will, because they're in your hands all the time, right? <laughs> yeah. So it seems like it's more about like minimizing rather than, you know, necessarily eliminating. But I mean, even even so, minimizing exposure is a good thing. So could you tell us a little bit like how the Cubby Plus, uh, Cubby Plus is is really kind of what we're here to talk about. Could you tell us a little bit about how that works? Um, You know, like what happens when you put your items on the tray? Sure, sure. And and it's the footprint of the Cubby Plus is 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 very um, amiable to multiple places. It's, it's light enough to be able to carry. It fits on a tabletop. It fits in, in multiple places. In fact, um, you know, hospitals where real estate is uh, at a premium, they'll, they'll, place, mm-hmm. they'll place the Cubby Plus down and then they'll take other items and place on that were, that were on that table and place those on top of the Cubby Plus. So, it, it, it's uh, it's a, the real estate's really convenient to, to place it in different locations. But the, okay. the way the way the Cubby Plus works is it's first off it's in, it's enclosed, and that's important to realize and remember that you know when you're utilizing UVC that actually works because there's a lot of things out there that really you have to be careful with, but UVC that's, that's in that short wave range, that's 254 nanometers where the cubby plus is, that's, that's where you're getting the best UVGI and the kill rates. And Mm -hmm. so to do that, we have an enclosed system. You, you open the door, pull the tray out, put your items on the tray. The tray has UVC pass through. So there's bulbs on the top, bulbs on the bottom. You're getting 360 degree disinfection up to 99.999. You, you shut the shelf, close the door, and it turns on automatically. There's no buttons. Okay. There's no buttons, right? It, it just runs. There, there's a progress bar on the digital display that you watch. And when it's completed, it says ready. And, okay. and open the door and pull your items out of the Cubby Plus. So it's, it's super simple to use. Um, user friendly and, um, and and it disinfects 360 degrees. And so you you've you hit the mark and your your hands are clean now because you washed your hands while you're disinfecting your phone and and you have a clean phone. So you're you're minimizing you're minimizing the uh, pathogens or viruses and, and bacteria that that live around us. And that's important. Okay. Gotcha. So um, let me ask you, let me ask you this. What is it about UV rays that makes them so effective at killing these bugs and germs and organisms and whatnot? Yeah, no, that's, that's great. I, you know, UV, UV, UV has been around a long time. Um, UV, UVC shortwave um, has been used for, gosh, many, many years in, in water and air in HVAC. 
And we're now looking at the benefits of UVC on surfaces. And so it's, it's, really, it's really taking hold and becoming really prevalent. And it, it started before really COVID hit, but now it's really, it's really taken off. But UVC, it, it, because I mentioned, like I mentioned earlier, fits in that shortwave um, pattern and it hits 254 nanometers. Basically what it does is, is it, it kills or inactivates uh, microorganisms and renders the DNA harmless. So it just it just takes down the DNA on viruses and kills them and, and bacteria. Okay. So it's super, super effective. And what's really cool about it is that UV will kill those pathogens wherever the light hits. So it's getting in crevices, it's getting in, for example, when you go to clean your cell phone, right? You, you may, you know, you, you can wipe parts of the cell phone with chemicals if, if you want, but you really have you you're instructed by the users not to do any wet chemical cleaning in the mouthpiece or the earpiece right 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 and 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 that's right where you talk and so that's where your 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 spit everything coming out of your mouth that has all the covid in it is yep. is hitting into that mouthpiece and if you can't clean it what's killing it what's killing those pathogens gotcha. right and that's that's the yeah, benefit of, of uvc is that it will it will penetrate those areas and kill the pathogens in there and won't damage your speaker or your mouthpiece on your phone. So th there's huge benefits to being able to use a technology that sort of envelops the whole item that you touch and the light penetrates and kills all, all of those bugs all over the place and, and, and really under 60 seconds, which is really a benefit. So uh, continuing the conversation about phones, what's what's like one thing, like one fact that you think everybody should know about the germs and the bugs that are living on their phones? Like what's if you had your way and you could do like a PSA to the world, what would you tell people about the bugs living on their phones? That they are on your phone. Studies show that 92 percent of all phones have bacteria, viruses, pathogens living on them. And the other eight percent just came out of a cubby. Plus. The other, <laughs> the other eight percent have been have been lost. That that's gotcha. that's the phones that, that my <laughs> wife has lost and she can't find. So, um, but but that's 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 the facts, right? That that all phones are filthy. They carry bugs. They carry pathogens. And um, and and, and to, to partner along with that fact, we know that forty to sixty percent of those pathogens will travel. They'll leave that phone and go somewhere else as we touch it, because we know we know pathogens go from one place to another with touch. Um, and, and so where are they going? Are they going to your cheek when you put your phone up to your cheek? Are they going from your hand to the doorknob that now your kids are going to grab? So th those are things yeah. we need to think about. And th they're real. They're real things that are happening around us. Okay. So um, what's the most surprising thing that you personally have learned about bugs and germs since you started working for BioGuard, which was, I believe, three years ago? Yeah, yeah. I, I think one of the, the surprising things is really how long something will live on a surface. Okay. Um, to, me, that's, to me, that's surprising. I, I figured that bugs would travel with touch. I kind of figured that, but, you know, some of the studies coming out are showing that COVID will last 96 hours 
on a surface and you're like, you know, that's, that's a long time. It's a long time for that, for that, uh, (laughs) you know, bomb to be sitting, sitting in one spot. Right. And so that's one of the surprising things, uh, to me. Um, and and the other surprising thing is people that we all kind of, as people, we try to put certain things out of our mind and and hope they go away. And, And, and the, just understanding where all these bugs live and how people, uh, you know, and, and how I, I was prior to me getting into this infection uh, prevention space was trying to trying to really live in a in a harmonious place in my mind that they really aren't out there, but they are there, and we need to take care of them. Well, uh, so I don't know about you, but if if COVID-19 has taught me anything, it's that I am never going to shake anybody's hand ever <laughs> again because humans are kind of gross creatures. And I really appreciate the fact that BioGuard is out there trying to make the world a cleaner and more germ-free place. So, Mark Beeson, while I will not shake your hand goodbye off of this podcast, I will give you a hearty fist pump. And I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your, uh, sharing your knowledge and sharing BioGuard with us. Thank you, Adam. I'll relish the fish bump. Thanks. Stadia is one of those concepts that sounds really great right out of the gate. Pick up a game and just play it anywhere. Awesome, right? Well, early reviews were a bit tepid, and because of that, Stadia kind of fell out of the public consciousness. Or at least it fell out of my consciousness, but as I've said before, I'm not a gamer. Neither is co-producer Cliff, but nevertheless, he caved and picked up a trial version of Stadia, and he wanted to let us know what he thought about it. I am what some would call a casual gamer, and what hardcore gamers would call a noob or fresh meat. Here and there, I've done a little console, and a little PC, and a little mobile gaming. It's not something I invest a ton of time or money into, mostly because it would be a giant waste for someone with my not-so-great gamer skills. Now that I've explained my level of gaming commitment, some might wonder why I'd be doing a review of a gaming service or really anything gaming-related. Well, I hear you, skeptical listener, but please do me a solid and listen on. Google introduced Stadia back in 2019 with the promise of being able to access your games nearly anywhere as long as you also have access to Wi-Fi and their Chrome browser. That's possible because Google is doing all the heavy lifting with their servers, so no need for a console or a PC with a $500 GPU in order to enjoy a 4K HDR gaming experience. At least, that's the promise. At introduction, Stadia required their dedicated controller Chromecast Ultra and a subscription to their $9.99 a month pro level in order to use the service at all. Thankfully, that's no longer the case. More recently, Google introduced a free tier of Stadia along with a 90-day trial of their pro level. Either level gives you access to purchased games which typically run about the same price as those on a console. Pro level ups the resolution of 1080p on the free tier to a max 4K at 60 frames per second, and also opens up a catalog of free-to-play games for as long as you pay the monthly fee. With the free tier available as a fallback, and the ability to play games through a web browser on nearly any desktop-class device as long as it's running Chrome, as well as access to it through a mobile app on Android, I thought I'd give it a shot. I, being most of the time an all-in type of guy, pushed my chips forward and invested in the Stadia controller at 70 bucks. 
Yes, I got the wasabi color because it reminds me of mint chocolate chip ice cream. Yes, I am a fat guy. Technically, you can use quite a few different controllers, including those for the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4, but those connect via Bluetooth. The beauty of the Stadia controller is that it connects to the service directly over Wi-Fi, which has the benefit of less latency. That, and it's designed for the service, an advantage which shouldn't be overlooked. So what does Stadia like to use? At times, frustrating, and at times, amazing. I've played the same games on my workstation running Windows 10, an ARM-based Windows 10 laptop, a $169 Chromebook, and several Android handsets all running Android 10. I did not have access to a Chromecast Ultra, and because of this, I was not able to use Stadia with my TV. Google says support is coming for Android TV, but I'm not holding my breath. As an aside, iOS devices are currently not supported for actual gaming for some strange reason. Performance in all instances was consistent as they were all on the same Wi-Fi network since Stadia doesn't really depend on the power of the device being used to access it. When I say the experience was consistent across devices, I mean that it was consistently good until it wasn't. There were times that frame rates would visibly suffer, resolution would drop exponentially, and in one game there was a freezing issue that happened often. I spoke with Google support about the freezing issue I experienced with that one game, and they chalked it up to poor performance from the servers of the game developer. I'm not sure if this is a cop-out, but the issue persists. I think some conclusions can be drawn about Stadia performance. It's definitely dependent on internet speed and network performance. That said, when Stadia is at its best, which is a lot of the time, it's kind of awesome. The ability to play console-level games with good visual quality and performance on just about any device is game-changing. There have been plenty of words on other sites dedicated to denigrating the game selection. It's not the best, but it's growing rapidly. I think most casual gamers will be able to find plenty to like here, including titles like Red Dead Redemption 2 and NBA 2K20. Check out the Stadia website for a complete list of what is available and what is on the horizon for the catalog. Stadia as it exists now is a technically fascinating service that has a lot of growth left to do before it becomes a viable alternative for gamers previously dedicated to their consoles. I found a lot to like and was genuinely delighted by the ability to play console quality games on just about any device. Anybody interested should just understand that, like many things Google, it sometimes feels like a beta release. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. I'd like to thank Mark Beeston for telling us all about how gross humans are, and I'd like to thank co-producer Cliff for busting out a review for me. Next week, I'm on vacation for most of the week, so you're going to have a different kind of show for you, but I think it's a fun one. And Cliff will give you his first impressions of the LG Velvet, one of the 375 phones that came out this week. So in the meantime, stay safe, wear a mask, and I thank you all for listening and for giving me the benefit of the doubt.